Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of the magazine and the host of this lovely podcast. This week we explore the trend for new wave Italian restaurants in the capital. Anna, fresh from a trip from Tokyo, talks us through the perfect ramen. And Sarah and Jordan are imploring us to try English wine. Well, if they really do insist, I am happy to oblige. First up, here's Gregor and I talking about new wave Italian restaurants. Right, so I'm here with Gregor, our chief sub production editor and wonderful writer. And Gregor, we're talking about a little trend we've noticed when we've been eating out recently, aren't we, today? Yes. Laura's being modest, it's a trend that she's noticed. <laughs> but ne- never, nevertheless... It's because I eat out the most, because I'm greedy. <laughs> nevertheless, it is a trend. And it's, it's for Italian restaurants, a sort of new wave of Italian restaurants, yes. it, really. Yeah. Um, and what, what, which restaurant was it that, that made you first notice this? Uh, well, it was one that opened earlier this year in the sort of spring um, in Borough Market, which is a restaurant called Padella. Mm-hmm. Now, it's the second restaurant from these uh, restaurateurs. Uh, they had, first of all, Trillo and Highbury. Yes. Um, but this was a specific type of Italian restaurant. It's a pasta bar. It's very small. Um, if you go to Borough Market now, you're going to have to queue to get in. But it's, it's worth it. They do these sort of really affordable 10 quid plates of pasta. Um, but it's sort of focusing on specific regional cuisine. So um, they do kind of uh, pappadelli with eight-hour bichin ragu. Uh, they do squid ink tag, tagliarini with mussels, chilli and oregano. Mm-hmm. And they also do an incredible one, which is what you will have seen on Instagram. I'm going to pronounce this wrong, so you're going to have to help me. Pichi caccio e pepe. Is that how you say it? I think it's peachy, but I'm not sure. Yeah. It's basically, if you look on Instagram or on their website, it looks like worms. Uh, these really thick noodles mm-hmm. um, with parmesan, black pepper, golden garlic and a shed load of butter. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Do you remember when we tested this in, in the test kitchen? We did, and it was absolutely delicious. Um, one of the best things. It's, 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 it's so basic and yet yeah. so beautiful. It's just a perfect dish yeah you can imagine exactly why they would open in borough market that's mm-hmm. exactly the sort of place so it's it's almost like um it's, it's like a a mental space that you're going into when you're <laughs> going to, into these restaurants yeah. because it's like a reimagination of uh, british ingredients used in an italian way yeah so in a market such as Borough, that's the perfect place for it. Where all that produce yeah. is there, ready to be so it's, it's cooked. it's cooking in the Italian way with British stuff, yeah. which is kind of what this trend is all about. Yeah, exactly. It? Yeah, it's um, it's kind of not your anglicised version of Italian cuisine. A lot of these restaurants, you know, you're not going to get spaghetti bolognese, you're not going to get lasagna. Um, or if, And if you get pizza, you might get a couple of the classics, but then you might get kind of something slightly more inventive or slightly more authentic to the region as well. So, for example, I went to another restaurant this week um, that's just opened up in Marlebone mm-hmm. called Ficina. Yes. Um, this is by a, a chap called uh, Kurt... I can't pronounce his own name. Zdezar. Zdezar? Yeah. Him. Uh, yes. uh, this this chap. So he's um, kind of the man behind the Nobu restaurants and a couple of other big wow. chains uh, that you might have heard of before. You know, he's a, he's, he knows Ping his pong. stuff. 
ping pong yeah. yeah he knows his stuff and he also opened London's first poke bar which is another trend the Hawaiian uh, fish salad tuna salad now um, so he knows his stuff but this is like a, this is kind of contemporary Italian um, but the, the head chef there is from Rimini and so he's kind of using his background knowledge and then interpreting again British ingredients in a contemporary Italian way so a pizza I had there this week was a beautiful pizza that had really wafer thin slices of porchetta the, the roasted pork mm. white peach um, cheese and sort of a creamy white sauce and it was just so so good mm. but it's nothing like I'd ever tasted before yeah um, and that's a really important aspect of this trend as well yeah. isn't it so I think I think that w- w- it's more that what we would get in these restaurants mm. that are opening out is what you might get in Italy if Indeed. you were there yeah rather than um, I think the first wave of, of Italian restaurants in Britain were very much Italian people who were here yeah. they were serving things that British people might like yes. and might actually buy because it was what they were used to and, and, and that's I suppose quite true of quite a lot of say northern Italian food yeah. in that the, the ingredients are similar the climate's more similar obviously not very yeah. but similar enough that we might get stuff that we that wouldn't be too foreign to our palates mm. now but the interest has grown particularly since russell norman opened uh uh Pol mm. and so forth and um, that in small plate stuff that i think it was people were looking for the next tapas yeah you know, london being um yeah, absurdly trend-driven as it is <laughs> yes but, but because small plates were fashionable they wanted small plates of an Italian style, mm. and that Cicchetti from Venice is, is one such thing. But that has shown just how diverse Italian food can be. Um, and so now Italians are opening uh, regional Italian places in London. Fascinating food. Venice is a fascinating place, of course, because it's influ- it was always a seagoing power, and it's and so you get things far more saffron, yeah. um, things that are influenced, you know, by um, Arabic, Moorish cuisine, and where where all the spices came in. Yeah. So you, you're getting things that are really quite different, and uh, so uh, uh, it, and also at the moment, um, Osteria uh, Francescana in Medina, yeah. which is where the balsamic vinegar is from, of course. Yes, of course. Is, uh, is, is number one on the world's 50 best list. Italy is becoming, uh, is becoming again, coming back into its back power in yeah. as, as, a, as, a, as a culinary centre yeah. of the world. Um, and I think we in Britain, our, our palates are ready, you know, for Italian food as it is now. Yeah. And so this is reflected in the new wave of restaurants that are opening up. And the Clove Club, which is actually number 26 on the 50 best mm. list, they, the, the chefs there are opening a restaurant now called Luca. So that's, that's a really interesting one. Their thing is they're using British ingredients again, but in the Italian cuisine in the and introducing us yeah. to new Italian dishes that we haven't tried before. Exactly that. And uh, so, it's, so the, again, it'll be... Sort of Britalian is the phrase that they are using. Oh, which I love. But, but they but they won't be using it in the in the restaurant itself. Yeah, they're far too tasteful for that. <laughs> of course, but, but nevertheless, it gives an idea of what it is that they're up to. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, I, I think it's sort of sharing plates, cocktails, snacks. So Morecambe shrimps and mace butter, for instance. Uh, so it's, it sounds lovely. So, I mean, it's in, in a sense, it's a little like potted shrimps, which mm-hmm. always used mace blades in them. But in another sense, it's quite Italian. Yeah. You know, because again, in you know, mace brought, I mean, brought to here from Venetian merchant, mm-hmm. merchants in, or, originally, mm-hmm. and they were quite medieval, you know. So, um, and, and in, as in fact, 
a lot of this cuisine is, but not something that we would necessarily think of when we think of Italian. Yeah. But now it's open to us and uh, we can we can do this. It's like a new Italian invasion. I love this. There's another new restaurant as well. So that's in November that that one opens, isn't it? Yes. So that's called Luca. Luca. And then there is another restaurant, talking of the Venetian cuisine, called Venita. So this is by um, Simon Mullins and Ben Tish of the Salt Yard Group. They've got quite a few restaurants in London, Salt Yard, um, Opera Tavern, Ember Yard, which is one of my favourite restaurants in London. But again, they're doing this kind of small plate Venetian. Yeah. And they've got really interesting things. Again, um, you were talking about saffron. So they've got chicken braised in almond milk with medjool dates and saffron. Saffron, yeah. which you wouldn't think of as Again, Italian. Moorish, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of the Moorish influence there. Yeah. A little bit like what, uh, from another standpoint, mm. uh, Moro and Marito have, have been doing, yeah. which is focusing on the Moorish influence in Spain. Yeah. But of course, there's a huge uh, Moorish influence in Italy as indeed, well. Indeed, which, which we weren't necessarily exposed to before, but no. that's what's really exciting about this trend is we're being introduced to new things. Another couple of dishes that sound really good on this menu are kid goat ragu with fresh pappardelle, charcoal grilled monkfish with anchovy sauce and salsified char grilled fish yeah. beautiful yeah. really beautiful so yeah I'm super excited about that one and then there's a couple more there's Margot that's just opened up um, that's in Covent Garden so that's a really good one if anyone's visiting London nice and easy to get to um, but they've got really interesting things like scallop uh, carpaccio with lime fresh pork beans and red chilli sauce um, and then you've got Sicilian red prawns, uh, veal ossobuco with saffron risotto a la milanese. It's so very classic sounding, this one. Yeah. It's more river cafe type. This is, but I mean, this one, again, have a quick look on Instagram and see what people have been taking pictures of. But they've been getting really good feedback since they've opened. And then there's another pasta bar um, opening up in St. Catherine Docks called Amelia's. That sounds really, really gorgeous too. I'm really excited about that one. They've got a thing called Parmesan Balls, which is apparently melt-in-the-mouth fried Parmesan. Oh. You know, fried <laughs> cheese. It's one of my favourite no. things, Gregor. Yeah, so, yeah. fried cheese, yeah. Yeah, so that one sounds really, really good. Yeah, because so. well, in, in Scotland, of course, we do deep-fried pizza, so that would be like a return to form. Well, there you go, Gregor. That's uh, <laughs> a reason to visit, if, if nothing else. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's something I've noticed. Yeah. You've noticed too. And I think um, if you are in London or even you know, anywhere else in the UK. I mean, Polpo's just started opening up um, some branches outside the UK in Bristol. Uh, outside of London. Outside of London, sorry. Yeah. Uh, yes, so it's it's something to keep an eye on and to, and to just look on Italian menus and try something that you necessarily haven't tried before. A very exciting film. Indeed. Thank you for talking to me about it, Gregor. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank goodness for that. Carbs are allowed back again. All hail pasta. Next up, we have Anna, our cookery writer, who's fresh from a trip to Tokyo, talking us through the perfect ramen. Okay, so um, I'm sat here with Anna, our lovely cookery writer. And Anna, you have just come back from two weeks in Tokyo, wow. haven't you? And what were you eating in Tokyo? A lot of ramen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I absolutely love. Ramen is one of my favourite things in the entire world. Um but there's some sort of basic principles with ramen on there. There are. So it is the ultimate comfort food. Yes. Um, and it's eaten very quickly yeah. at a bar. And you sometimes as well in Tokyo, you press a button on, on a machine before you even go in. So it's a very speedy, you know, so they already have your order before you wow. sit down. So like proper fast food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just get like a little token, hand that to your server. And it's um, it's sort of really, really quick lunch. But at the same time, it's open from 11am till till midnight. So yeah. people are eating ramen all, um, all the time. I love that. So it's traditionally a Chinese-style noodle. Okay. Um, it's an egg 
egg wheat noodle. Yeah. Um, but it's so popular in Japan just because it's it's almost it's it's what it reminds you of home. It's yeah. so comforting. It's got so many flavours in it as well. I know. I had one yesterday because I'm not. I don't know if you can hear. I'm feeling a little bit hoarse, and ramen's just that. Oh, it just makes you feel warm inside, and yes. makes you feel it's kind of got that restorative thing, hasn't it? Yeah. So, what what are the basic principles of ramen? Then, what what goes into a ramen? So, there are four basic types of broth. There's okay. the tonkotsu, which is a really really rich pork bone broth. It's quite creamy that one, isn't it? it I really is. like that one. Yeah. That feels quite naughty. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you sort of have to keep mixing it so the fat doesn't come to the surface. <laughs> don't know how bad it is. Let's mix this in. Yeah. Um, and there's shio as well, which is a salt one. So okay. it's a salt-based one rather okay. than the soy sauce, which is called shoyu. Okay. Um, the salt one is a lot milder and a lot lighter in colour. Right. And the shoyu is very, very savoury, a little bit darker, richer. Okay. And the fourth one is miso, so it's sort of... Um, it does that sort of convection thing, the, the soup sort of moving on oh, its own. I love the sound of that, yeah. And it's, re- it's really hearty. It's That's the, the like the really indulgent one, the mm. sort of... But it's also, um, it's usually made with chicken or pork as well, with, okay. with fish. Um, so that's a good thing to look out for on menus when you're ordering ramen, is, yeah. is to have a look at the different types that you're yeah. ordering. Yeah. yeah, a lot of restaurants specialise in one type. Right. Um, but if you go to sort of like a noodle bar, then you can choose the different different types. Cool. Um, so you the noodles are also really... Um, they are actually called Tokyo wavy noodles, so they're really, really crinkly. Yeah. And my theory is so you can hold them on the on the chopsticks okay. um, easier, so you can eat them faster. Excellent. But they look really beautiful in the bowl. They're yeah. sort of really, really crinkly, yeah. um, and they're always al dente as well. I found that so. Um, okay. Then then. Even when you're eating the last of the bowl, they're still quite firm and they're a pleasure, pleasure to eat. I read somewhere that you should almost like burn your lips when yes. you're eating it because yeah. if you do wait too long, the noodles will overcook and so yeah. that's kind of part of having to eat it fast. And the flavour of the dish changes so much while you eat it. It's yeah. nice to try it straight from as soon as it's put down yeah. to all the way through and it will continually change as well. Which I love that nice. evolution of the dish. That's yeah. really cool. Um, so they're most commonly topped with... Um, Shasu, which is the slow cooked pork belly, yeah, it's usually cooked with um, soy sauce and water and just slow cooked, okay. Um, and it's rolled, yeah, so it's really pretty when it comes in the dish. Mm-hmm. And you usually just get one or two slices, you can add more, and you can also add more noodles as well, mm. um, for like 100 yen or something, it's like a pound, okay, like 50p. So it's really it's, yeah, it's really nice like, yeah. if you if you're super hungry. Um, you also get soy marinated bamboo shoots as well, which is really really popular. Yeah, um, it's almost like you. It's not an extra topping. You know, everywhere that we ate ramen, always had them. Okay, and always had really finely chopped leeks or spring onions as well as like a garnish. And the optional extras were um, you could have bamboo shoots or the hard boiled eggs that sometimes they're marinated in soy sauce and yeah. then sliced in half. A lot of the places as well, I also saw I had nori, the oh, seaweed, yeah. so it's sort of half stuck into the ramen, so it goes sort of soft but then a little bit crunchy. Again, it's so those contrasts of texture yeah. that really work well. Amazing. But I also discovered a new style of ramen in Tokyo oh, as yeah. well, which is a spicy miso ramen. Oh, that sounds um, good. <laughs> yeah, and there was one place called Kikambo in Kanda that we tried, and they gave you a bib 
It's the, <laughs> you've got you got your ticket, and they asked you on a scale of one to ten how spicy you'd like it. Yeah. And also on a scale of one to ten, how much Sancho pepper? So it's that mouth numbing Szechuan. So um, how I, brave are you? <laughs> I went for medium and okay. medium, thinking if I ever went back, I'd be a bit braver. But I wanted to try it for you know the classic. Yeah. But there are a few people with a bit of a sweat on. Oh, really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> excellent yeah. but yeah that was really beautiful and the it was sort of the miso stock but it it did have that sort of mouth numb heat it was a really good combination i sort of i think with with the session cooking that's what's key it's yeah. hot and the mouth numbing pepper as well and they'd really got that um well in that restaurant that sounds really good yeah, and the noodles were strange as well in that place. They were all they looked exactly like linguine. Oh, really? Yeah, so, so they were slightly flat. Yeah, yeah, and and very sort of straight as well. Interesting. Which, yeah, so it might have been something to do with the miso, but okay, it was really, it was really nice. Cool. Um, so a few tips on etiquette, which yes. I was very politely getting my chopsticks and <laughs> eating, you know, trying to be as, as nice as possible. Yeah. But yeah, if you're given a, a bib, take the hint, just go full <laughs> into the bowl. Get stuck in face, yeah. can't those yeah. no- noodles? <laughs> <laughs> and the slurping is a sign that you're really enjoying it. Okay. So there's a lot of slurping going on. Excellent. And apparently you don't chew the noodles, so you just keep slurping and slurping until they're in your mouth and swallow. So expect to have a face full of ramen. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah, um, and also don't pick up the bowl as well. Which oh, okay. so a lot of uh, Japanese food you do pick up the bowl to eat, but yeah, um, not with ramen. Good to know. Yeah, I also tried a chicken ramen as well yeah. near, uh, near Tokyo Dome in my I think it was called the Noodle Company or the Noodle Factory, and it was um, seasoned with yuzu as well. So it was like Ooh. a new modern take on it, and that was the really really creamy, really fatty, <laughs> but <it laughs> all cut, the good stuff cut through with the yuzu. Yeah, that was really nice. That sounds really good. Um, so we actually we did a beautiful ramen recipe in the November issue. We um, really from, did from Bone Daddies, and this yeah. is the soy <clears throat> shoyu style ramen, where, which is seasoned with soy sauce, and it's got the amazing slow cooked uh, pork belly. It's just so tender that pork yeah. it just melts. You can hardly pick it up with the chopsticks. It's it just, just yeah, yeah, it's like it's amazing, and it's got the classic soy bamboo as well. So if you're interested yeah. in trying that at home it's it's sort of a staple for 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 ramen yeah and this is the the perfect stock as well i mean it's cooked for i think maybe eight hours it's just the flavor is so intense yeah it was one of those recipes that i wasn't sure whether we should put it in the magazine because it does take a really long time to make it's a real labor of love but um we're all big fans of bone daddies in the office aren't we so for those people that don't know about it it's a london restaurant chain um very small chain but they do ramen incredibly well amongst other uh, other food too but it's just so worth it isn't it i mean anna you tested it in the test kitchen and we were all going back for more and like get save us some for tomorrow (laughs) it's just and every element is just spot on and like you say you've got all those different textures and flavors and it kind of evolves as you eat it it's it's just one of the most perfect recipes ever yeah it is and it's almost there's a lot of elements to it there's a lot of ingredients but at the same time there's not actually it's not that complicated to put together you just cook everything the day before make everything and that's why it's such a beautiful dish is that you can tell the chef has spent so long on making all of the elements and it just takes five minutes to put together yeah um it's yeah that's that's the beauty of the dish i think it's like a real sunday dishes get it all prepped on saturday and then on sunday you've just got this gorgeous comforting bowl of goodness (laughs) um 
So, Anna, with that recipe, um, are there any like specialist ingredients that we need and, and where would we get those from? There are a couple, um, but they aren't that hard to get hold of. They okay. just can't get them in, you know, a local supermarket. Mm-hmm. The ramen noodles, um, they are quite sort of niche, right. but you can get them frozen from Ocado and you can okay. get them from the japancenter.com as well. Okay, cool. Um, there's a few things like kombu, which is a dried seaweed, which... Yeah. Um, which Waitrose now stock okay, as well. Okay, brilliant. And the Sancho pepper that we were just talking about, uh, you can get that at the Japan Centre as well. Brilliant. And if you uh, want to learn more about seaweed as well, because I know Anna's spoken about that before, if you have a look back into our podcast catalogue, Anna did a big uh, section on, on cooking with seaweed, so you should definitely listen to that too. And also with the pork that's used in the ramen, we've got an amazing recipe as well, also from Bone Daddies, for the, um, for the steamed buns. So you're using the same pork... Um, with sweet chilli soy sauce, pickled cucumber, spring onion and chilli. God, my mouth is watering. <laughs> that was incredibly good. They're all really good recipes in there. Um, definitely encourage everyone to go out and buy the November issue to have a look at those recipes. They're an exclusive in the magazine, so you do have to go out and get the magazine for that. But that's in stores right now, so go and get that. Um, and yeah, I know what I want for lunch, Anna. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you very, very much. That was super interesting. Thank you. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, here's Sarah, our drinks writer, and Jordan, our digital intern, talking about English wine, why you really should be drinking it, and what vineyards you can visit to get involved in the harvest. So I'm Sarah, I'm the drinks writer here at Olive, and I'm joined today by Jordan, who is our digital intern. And we're going to be talking about wine, and more specifically English wine, which has been growing and growing as a category over the last couple of years. Um, and it's kind of really exploded and it's now kind of coming into its own and it's being recognised as a really top quality product, which, you know, is difficult to convince the French and, you know, the kind of uh, classic wine-producing regions that actually the English do know what we're doing. Um, but, you know, vines have been growing in England since the Roman times. Um, so we've actually got a really long history of producing wine. But our chilly climate, which... <laughs> particularly cold today I'm like wrapped up in a scarf um makes it a bit more difficult to buy to sorry to grow grapes than it does say grains um and apples and stuff which is why traditionally the English have been more of a kind of beer and cider drinking nation but we're seeing that change I mean a lot of younger people are getting into wine now we've got some absolutely fantastic wine bars kind of all over the country that have got a massive selection of wines by the glass and are really knowledgeable and willing to talk to you. And we've got a couple of those featured on olivemagazine.com if you want to go and have a look at where to where you should be drinking your wine. Um, interestingly, even though English wine is growing as a category, the UK is still one of the biggest importers of fizz in the world, if not the biggest. I think it's Pretty much crazy. the biggest. Yeah. We love it. <laughs> we, we can't get enough of Prosecco at the moment. <laughs> That's like the, been the biggest thing this year, hasn't it? Um, but I hate to mention it, but Brexit might make that importing of fizz a little more tricky. So sad. Which is, yeah, which is heartbreaking. <laughs> um, but there's, that gives us a great excuse to be drinking our own supplies and our own English sparkling wines. Um, there are now about 500 or over 500 wineries in England and Wales. And we are particularly good at producing sparkling wine because our soil, we, you know, we moan about our weather, we moan about everything to do with England. <laughs> But our soil is actually the same as champagne and it's chalk soil, which makes um, growing vines really good because it's got lots of drainage. 
and the yeah the kind of colder climate lends itself to to the grapes that are being used in in sparkling wine and it's great because producers like nye timber and you know loads of others are actually beating the big kind of classic champagne producers in blind tastings and places like tassinger are actually buying up land in the uk <laughs> to kind of spread out their growing because again climate change is going to push everything further and further north and it's going to champagne is eventually going to become too hot to produce champagne bizarrely oh, wow. so the uk <laughs> is actually going to be the best place for sparkling wine which yes, <laughs> finally come on um, and what i also love about english sparklings is that you can actually or english wine in general actually is that you can actually go and visit the vineyards and you can obviously you can do elsewhere but it's super easy to just pop down you know two hours drive there's 500 wineries so you're going to be pretty close to one of them to go down and see how it's made and see, you know, what the guys are doing and everything to do with it. And Jordan, you've actually just been down to Brighton at the weekend. I have indeed. Haven't you? Which is, Sussex has got, it's crazy, it's got like 150? Yeah, and about 50 to 60 vineyards. So there's a lot going on there. Yeah. And they definitely, definitely, definitely have the chalk soil, you know, white clay, yeah. Dover, yeah, everything. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. there's an ideally place to be producing Definitely, wine, yeah. Sparkling wine, yeah. So where did you go? Which so did you visit? I, I visited two. Um, and the great thing at the moment is that it's grape harvesting f- season. Yes, of and course it is. This only takes, it's like only two weeks a year and it's around <laughs> this time. So I don't know if you're not um, too busy next week <laughs> yeah. in October half term, then definitely head over, get in there. Um, get the kids involved. Yeah, de- and- you can. Like there was dogs on the estate, like people <laughs> It was amazing. It's such a nice, like, hands-on environment. And, every, like, they need as much help as they can get. I mean, there's very few people are employed in a winery kind of throughout the year. Yeah. But harvest time, it's kind of all hands on deck. And they're more than happy to, Definitely. to have people turn up and say, actually, I'd like to help. Yeah, a lot of places do just take volunteers. Yeah. Um, we spoke to a couple. Um, they were working on um, Court Gardens Estate. And they're quite a big vineyard mm-hmm. down there. They're only about 15 minutes drive from Brighton. And they, that like the people we spoke to, it was their fifth, sixth year of coming around oh, wow. and picking the grapes. So That's it was so amazing. good, yeah. And there's other places, like um, we went to Bluebell Vineyard Estate and um, people pay to go there. And you, you spend the morning harvesting like their um, Pinot Noir and their Chardonnay grapes and mm-hmm. their Pinot Mernier. And then you get lunch out of that and like a wine tasting. So you get to amazing. taste the stuff that you've just picked. Yeah, that's fantastic. And those three grapes are the, the classified grapes yeah. that have to go into Champagne. They're so, the traditional ones. Yeah. And they do, do they do it all in the traditional Champagne method? Like once you've picked them? Yeah, the so they, get, um, they go for the press and they get um, fermented twice. And the second time it's in bottle. Yeah. And they've got all the kit, and it's actually a blue bottle. It's all hand done, so all the bottles are really done by the people there. You see, that's actually that's really interesting because that kind of real classic way of doing it is dying out. And like yeah. the majority of the big big champagne houses, it's all automated now, and they've got these massive machines and kind of lots of little holes that the bottles kind of like slot into, and they do it neck first, and yeah. then it will just automatically like rotate like half a turn every so often yeah just do it by hand that's such a time consuming well they do they have um they've that machine that turns the bottles around and does that 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 is machine driven but um the actual corking process is done by hand with a machine so each bottle is handled with care put in (laughs) come out yeah it's a really intense like but very interesting Mm. process 
So did you get to taste some of your, obviously not your work? No, but <laughs> wait a couple of years. That, that, <laughs> I think they said it was going to be 2019-20 before okay, our so they, are they bottle age it for a little yeah, while. Yeah, they so. do. It's vintage. Um, I think that's quite Amazing. unique. Yeah, normally you just get a blend of grapes food, mm. um, to guarantee a, a taste on like money and stuff. Like It's always going to taste the same. Yeah. It's not vintaged. Um, yeah, so we got to try the um, the pure grape juice. Really sweet, tastes like cordial. It's really interesting. <laughs> really like vivid red color, straight off the press. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Amazing. taking it straight out, and then we got to taste one that was in their first fermentation. Okay. Um, and I don't know if you follow Olive on Instagram, anyone. You but, should. Everybody yeah, listening definitely. should be following Head Olive magazine. There. But I did a story of it and asked people to guess which was um, pure and which was fermented. Okay. Um, and, like oh, I missed that. I love a quiz. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't think anyone actually replied, but a lot of people enjoyed it, <laughs> definitely. Um, and the first fermentation goes like a cloudy kind of colour, kind of tastes almost like apple juice, like cidery. Mm. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, and you can see the yeast like floating in it um, as it's starting to like take effect and activate. I think it's just such an amazing thing. Like, I've done, obviously, a couple of winery tours and stuff like that, and it's just such a fascinating process to actually go and see it all happening yeah so, so you know to have it on your doorstep is is ideal it's isn't incredible. it and you can do like a little tour can't you down in Sussex and yeah Kent. so um they actually gave us a map and it goes all the way over um, Sussex and um I mean there's a lot you would not be able to do this in a day <laughs> it literally covers the whole of wow. southern England um, that's amazing but there's loads of places you can visit and loads of things you can get involved with um and it's great to like really see the process. Like, yeah. Not many people can claim that they've got a hold of a bottle that they might have picked exactly. a couple of years ago and stuff like exactly. that. So if you want to find out more about English wine in general, you can head to olivemagazine.com. Our lovely wine writer, Kate Hawkins, has done a piece for us, and that's online. Buying English wine is getting easier and easier. Night Timber is now kind of everywhere. Mm. Um, Chapel Down is doing really well. There's lots in um, M&S stock, quite a few. Or if you're not quite sure where to get it from, head to englishwineproducers.co.uk and they'll give you a little guide um, and tell you all the kind of suppliers and stockists. And if you do want to go down and visit a winery and find out where your closest winery is, we've got a great feature on olivemagazine.com um, showing you all the best English vineyard breaks. So it's not only which vineyards to visit, but it's where to eat when you're there, what to do, nice walks and stuff. So that's definitely one to check out. Okay, amazing. Thank you. <laughs> Happy drinking. Thank you to Sarah, Jordan, Anna and Gregor. And thank you to you for listening to this week's edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. If there's anything you'd like us to talk about, be sure to get in touch via social media at Olive Magazine. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, YouTube. You can email us, give us a phone call, send us a letter. We're always here, ready to listen. And if you'd be so kind, please take two seconds to review and rate us on iTunes so that as many lovely people as you can hear us talking about all things food and drink. We'll be back next week. In the meantime, happy cooking, happy eating, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>